Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everybody, to the Alt Left. This is episode 101. I am your host, Chris, and with me today is Drew. Good evening to comrades of all stripes. Uh, Kay will not be joining us tonight. Unfortunately, he was uh, flying uh, weather balloons uh, over Montana and was unfortunately shot down by the Pentagon. So after a brief stint as a stay of, as a guest of state at the government and, you know, probably lots of anal interrogation, he will return. For legal reasons, talking to Tony, our overworked in NSA intern, that was a joke. <laughs> oh, Tony. So, um, this week we're obviously going to be covering uh, the State of the Union, not Chinese spy balloons. Which, But can we talk about the Chinese spy balloon for just one moment? Because there's a hot take on the left coming that it's all complete CIA propaganda and it's a PSYOP and all that. And whereas I love to blame the CIA for literally everything, it's a pastime of mine. No, this was a fucking balloon that intercepted the radio transmissions. And it was like literally here just to do some radio spying and it got fucking shot down. Drew, your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I agree. And as of our recording today, there are, there is now three that have been shot down. One was uh, shot down, I think it was, what, yesterday over Alaska, and one was shot down earlier today over the Yukon in Canada. Yeah, it was, it was, it was Canada that shot today's down. Uh, it was still American pilots that did it. Uh, Justin Trudeau called NORAD, and NORAD scrambled uh, Canadian and American pilots, and the Americans just got there first. Ah, fair enough. I mean, Canada's America's hat. <laughs> I just, but God, I would kill to live in Canada. Yeah, Canada's got some good things going for it, and the same horrible racist history as us. Oh, so, yeah. You know. I mean, like, I'm not saying they're angels when it comes to especially things like indigenous peoples. I'm just saying they give people, you know, socialized medicine, and they're far less imperial. No, I'm just saying there's a lot of overlap, so you'll feel right at home. I felt at home a couple of times I've been to Canada. I've never been. Well, t- technically, I have been to Canada one time. I went to that city that Northern Exposure is filmed in, where they pretended it was Alaska. Wow. <laughs> On a trip to Washington, where it's like literally 30 feet over the border. So, technically speaking, I've been to Canada, but I have not experienced Canada. I have not gone any maple leave, and I would like to. So, to all our Canadian listeners, smuggle me over the border. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a spy balloon. It happens. Everybody spies on everybody else. We spy on literally everybody else. So, it shouldn't be that surprising that the Chinese did it in return. And we have several carrier fleets off their coast, too. It's actually, I was, I was uh, speaking to someone the other day, and they're like, well, yeah, but, you know, they spy on us. We spy on them. It's the same. I was like, I'm not trying to defend China. They're, they're pretty fucked up. But um, how many Chinese aircraft carriers are off the coast of California? <laughs> Zero. Submarines, who knows? But, <laughs> but aircraft carriers, uh, we keep entire fleets. Uh, within easy momentary missile range of them. So I just, I don't know, I never I never have any sympathy for us being spied on or being intruded on by any foreign government that we are currently sanctioning and constantly posturing and threatening. Yeah, I, I'm not particularly bothered by it. I'm usually more bothered by the amount of spying we do on our own allies. I'm not. That makes sense. Spy on everyone. I suppose. I mean, in all honesty, that, again, that one doesn't bother me. Like, Every single nation is doing espionage on every single nation. That's fine. That's just that's just the game. It's stupid. It's status bullshit, but that, that's the game, and it doesn't bother me. Yeah, fair. Anyway, speaking of posturing, we should talk about the State of the Union Address, which is our actual topic today. What did you think uh, your general thoughts are? Uh, I mean, it was more of the same. I was completely and utterly unsurprised by 
whatever Biden brought up. He's as usual, look at all this stuff I've done and look at all the stuff I'm going to do or not going to do because there's no way most of what he's proposing is going to pass through Congress. It was just the usual posturing finish the job. that we see every year. Let's finish the job. Yeah, finish that job. Finish the job. He said that, I think, I, I, I lost count. He said it like 30 times in the speech. It was insane. Yeah, it's one of his uh, rhetorics. During the uh, debates in 2020, I played a drinking game during the third debate with uh, him and Trump. I bought a half bottle of whiskey, and I believe it was uh, take a shot every time uh, Biden said, look, or come on. And uh, it was like a shot every time Trump said, excuse me, or uh, something to that nature. But it was a half bottle. Yeah, it was a half bottle, so I took half shots, and I had emptied the thing the first seven minutes of the debate. (laughs) It <laughs> sounds right. Also, here's the deal. That's another one of his. Yeah, that was so, definitely on the list. My general thought is, it, yeah, kind of the same thing. It's more of the same. The speech felt like it was written by AI. I was watching it, and this felt like someone told an AI. They fed him 700 State of the Union ad- addresses and said, go ahead and write this. Because, like, I mean, one of his big things was, like, I'm going to bring back, you know, industrialization and production to America and factory jobs. And it's like. we've been hearing that since the fucking seventies and he really made this, this most, the most, like the most banal milk toast promises ever. That was after, you know, basically spending the first two minutes congratulating himself for ending COVID. Yeah. um, I didn't think of it as an AI thing. I always thought of it as it's more like a liberal bingo or a liberal checkbox. Okay. Yeah. Talk about the economy. If that's good. Talk about COVID. That's good. Bring back America's jobs. That's good. Let's come together where we can. That's good. (laughs) <laughs> well, but that's why it felt like AI to me, because it literally is like it was like it ran down a checklist of of talking points that were just or yeah, again, maybe it's a Hollywood script, but it just feels like this generic any president could have given this speech, with the exception of the COVID thing, which but my favorite quote, you know, he had a quote where he says, you know, COVID is no longer controlling our lives. And it's like, well, yeah, because you took away COVID leave. You know, yeah. someone else pointed out to me that, you know, boy, yeah, unless you're, you know, disabled. Like anything else, when we declare war on something, they win, and we just uh, declare victory and go on home. But yeah, he 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 just went. He's like dove right after COVID into the, the old banner of production and industry. You know, talking about the dignity of work, and you know, basically touting the same thing. Like I'm creating jobs. We need jobs. Jobs are coming back. You know, he, he said we've had an unemployment at a 50 year low, and it's like. I'm looking around at people who are unhoused, underfed, underemployed, broke, starving, have no health care. And it's like these people are working. The amount of jobs we have isn't the issue. People are underemployed. Wages are insanely low compared to the standard of living, compared to rent and food. Like if you compare income to rent, utilities and produce, it's some of the worst it's ever been. And that's completely glossed over with how many jobs I have because it's old rhetoric that comes to us from the 80s and 90s when before wages had plummeted to where they are now. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's uh, it's always just more empty words. But you have to expect that from Biden because Biden is the ultimate centrist. He always wants to get along with everybody. He doesn't want to introduce really anything that's going to be too controversial. Because yeah, he still I actually comes noticed from- that. He kept saying this one thing over and over again. He kept saying like... Um, you know, I've been criticized for saying this and then would immediately follow it up with something that no one would ever be criticized for saying. Yeah, absolutely. Because he comes from that old school where everybody wants to get along. Him and Joe Manchin and to a lesser extent, Mitt Romney, like the few dinosaurs that are still left that still think there is common ground to be found. Did you uh, did you catch the uh, the pin the tail on the Putin rhetoric that you put in there? 
No, I think I missed that one. Oh, there was this this great part where um where basically um he he said like oh you know and he talked about inflation and how inflation in the last six months has gotten better and he's getting it back under control but really the issue is uh, the reason why the the recession's been global and inflation is a global issue because of Putin's war in Ukraine and he literally put specifies of and controlling energy costs and keeping grain locked up. I mean. Sure, if you want to get purely technical, the war is influencing gas rates and grain rates to a certain extent, but that's certainly not the sole reason. I mean, it also would have been over six months ago if NATO hadn't gotten involved. (laughs) True, but if it uh, was over six months ago, that would have been really bad for the Ukrainian people. Not the Ukrainian government, but the civilians. Uh, Absolutely. There's no winners in this. We've talked about it's nothing but bastards on all sides. Um, but we are absolutely prolonging it. This this war should have been over a long time ago. And unfortunately, NATO is just digging their heels in and they will fight. They, they will fight for freedom and fight the Russians down to the last Ukrainian. <laughs> that is an apt observation. Yes, uh, I would argue there's been nothing worse for the Ukrainian people than Zelensky. Uh, he I mean, he he's he is just like Putin. Like these are two guys from the same cloth. Uh, if you. Things are not talking about a lot of mainstream. You have to look for this. There's only one political party allowed in Ukraine. Zelensky has actually outlawed all opposition political parties. It is only his party that is allowed. Only he can be president. Uh, in fact, he even arrested members of the guys. It's the, the 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 Duma. What is it? The the I forgot the name of their parliament. Um, I don't know. He had anyone who wouldn't step down from an opposition party arrested. He conscripts refugees at the border. Uh, he has rape gangs patrolling the cities uh, for looters. It's, I'm sorry, no one is harming the Ukrainian people more than that fucking dictator. And he's literally, I mean, with the exception of, you know, radioactive isotope assassinations, he's following Putin's playbook. These are, these are two maniacs cut from the same cloth. I will say, I think Zelensky was pushed into that corner and he responded typical to how Eastern European politicians work. But I will agree that there isn't much difference between him and Putin. I just, I think he was pushed there. I don't think he stepped there naturally. I think he ended up backed into a corner and when you're backed into a corner, this is how you react. I guess. I mean, but he already, I mean, he inherited a Nazi government. You know, the the guy before him was a Holocaust denier. Um, his, I mean, his de- his Secretary of Defense has come out and said that the point of the Ukrainian military is to protect the white race. I mean, these guys. I mean, he he, you know, again, the A's. We talked about the Azov Battalion and how they've been pushed up to being the National Guard of the nation, and they're responsible for all kinds of insane amounts of ethnic cleansing and crimes against humanity against their own people in eastern Ukraine against anyone who's ethnically Russian. Oh, no doubt. And I don't disagree with that at all. But he was also elected to be a reformer. And I don't think he got a chance to put forth any sort of reforms before the war began. That's what that's my point. He was he was elected to do something else. Then the war started and he got pushed into the same corner as the people he was trying to fix. So kind of like a, a mediocre man who was on the quest of reform jumped into a den of monsters and then was forced into a position where he only felt he could survive by being monstrous. Yes, you know, just like any other elected position. That's valid. I don't know if I necessarily agree, only because of how much the U.S. foreign policy has been dictating the actions of Ukraine in the elections, but I could be wrong. That's actually, I think, a valid point. But anyway, back to the State of the Union. 
<laughs> yeah. So as Biden's talking, you know, after he blamed Putin, I remember he I, I took a couple notes here while I watched it. Um, he went right back to the same job rhetoric, and he made this this uh, this point specifically because you know, and again, Trump did the same thing, and all presidents do this, where they they find very specific winning points and really emphasize them. Right? They find one factoid that makes them look great. And uh, he was talking about the new Intel plant, right? And he's like, it's thousands of new jobs. And he kind of said, they're building it in this giant field. It's literally a field of dreams. And he made this sentence that was amazing. And I'm quoting him here. He said, it's going to be thousands of new jobs, jobs that pay $130,000 a year, jobs that don't require a degree. Those are two separate sentences. (laughs) Yeah, you can't really rectify those two. Yeah. (laughs) Jobs that pay $130,000 a year do not not require a degree or an incredible amount of specialized training and um, and vocational training and certification. Yeah, like I don't doubt that the office workers or the management is going to make 130000 but people working on the floor ain't going to get that. Yeah, or the, or the guys in R&D, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, the more, the more technically inclined, not the ones that are actually working on whatever it is. I assume it'll be something like an assembly line. Yeah, but he absolutely was alluding to the basically he's going to have a bunch of $130,000 a year jobs waiting for fucking college graduate for high school graduates to come out into. And again, it, I felt I guess I felt it was double insulting because of that, because it wasn't just it wasn't just that he's, you know, saying I'm going to bring jobs and not caring about people's standard of living, but he's even addressing the standard of living in that. He's even pointing out that people aren't being paid enough and we need higher wages while pushing the very thing that is keeping wages down, which is focusing on unemployment numbers, not on standard of living. Well, sure, because one metric gets you positive pull numbers and the other one doesn't. Well, yeah, but he's a bitch. And like any other speech, there's a couple of things in there that everybody could agree with. Uh, there was general agreement on the price of insulin for the most part. I mean, you look at there was uh, cuts to the audience. I saw and like most people were doing a standing ovation on that. Like there was, of course, the real hardliner Republicans that weren't. And, you know, there were some talks about police reform that obviously. Well, wait, I want, I want to backtrack to the insulin thing, because that one really fucking pissed me off, too, was. He like again, he went into specifics, right? He even pointed out that it costs ten dollars to make a vial of insulin. Ten fucking dollars. And he's like, I'm capping it for se- I capped it for seniors on Medicare at thirty-five dollars. So not only are we talking about a two hundred and fifty percent profit margin, that's supposed to be the win for the consumer, right? Is a two hundred and fifty percent profit margin for these bastards on a hundred year old drug that was never fucking copyrighted, it was never right? Patented. It was never patented, thank you. So that's supposed to be the big win is that they get to make a 250% fucking profit. And that is somehow like socialist Joe Biden to the rescue, right? And then he says, like, let's get the job done. And let's get that for everyone. And it's just like, ins- if insulin's that cheap, right? If, it, if you can spend $10 and create a drug that will keep a person alive for a month or two, why the fuck isn't that a right? Why isn't that a guaranteed at least to pay cost for it? Because healthcare is not a right in this country. If it yeah, were a right, it'd be written into our constitution. Exactly. But I'm being a gadfly to him here at this point. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, he, he, we're supposed to take this as a win while this fucking capitalist stands there and points out that, like, we're supposed to be licking his fucking boots because people who are living on cat food for a living are now only having to pay a 250% markup for a drug necessary for their survival. Oh, I totally agree. It's... I think he's banking on people thinking that, well, that's the best we're going to be able to get in this uh, dystopic nightmare that is our healthcare system. 
Yeah. It, uh, California is now producing its own insulin. They're going to provide it at cost to the nation. Like a state government has stepped up to do this and he could do this with the stroke of a pen for cheap and will not do it. Yeah. And not only him, Mark Cuban has started a pharmaceutical company with the expressed aim of not selling quite at cost, but I think his markup is supposed to be no more than 15% for generics for everything. Yeah. That's not bad. That's a viable business plan for something that people need. But like, again, it, the fact that you could, you could literally give life-saving meds to people in need for $10 a month and we will not do it. By the way, Canadian listeners, this is why I want to come to Canada. Your healthcare system isn't perfect, but at least it exists. I want to come for the hockey and their strategic maple syrup reserves. <laughs> Don't forget about the donuts and beer. Unfortunately, Tim Hortons aren't all that great anymore. I've never had a Tim Hortons, honestly. Uh, they're fine. They're about Dunkin's Donuts quality, especially at this point, because they were bought by Burger King. Ah, well, that's a shame. I was, I was out of the loop on the degradation of the quality assurance team at Tim Hortons. Yeah, it's a sad story. I've, uh, read a little bit about it because I'm a fan of, uh, several Canadian TV shows and, you know, obviously they kind of tie into one another because of it. Eh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, on the whole, the state of the union, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched highlights just because I knew everything it was going to be. There wasn't going to be anything special, and the highlights were going to uh, pay attention to both what he was trying to talk about, but more importantly, it was also going to talk about the Republican response. Did you catch his token black, uh, his token black friend in the audience? <laughs> I did, yes. I, I met a young woman named Sarah. Here she is, and he literally just stands up this black woman. He's like, she wrote me a letter and said she's sad. Anyway, moving on. Like he just he literally brought a human being out as a fucking prop. This is why he's 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 the same fucking thing Trump is. This is insane. And on that note, you've talked you've glossed over also police uh, uh police reform. He actually didn't advise anything. He just literally looked at Congress and said, you should do something about this, which is all he ever fucking does. And then he actually, again, advocated for more funding. Like, he literally... Tyree Nichols' parents were in the audience, right? He brought them on, because again, you know, Joe Biden needs black people to be a prop. And he brought his parents out into the, you know, into the fucking... He brought them into the audience and pointed them out, of course, because he had to fucking display them like people in a cage. And in that same breath goes, let's give these officers more training and let's have more field workers and crisis teams and let's just pump more into them. And it was like nothing about accountability, nothing about fucking ending uh, qualified immunity, nothing about stepping on police unions, none of that. No actual solution to ending the constant reign of terror that police put upon people of color in this country. Just he wants to flood the system with more money. Well, he did talk about accountability, but it was literally one sentence of, and when they do bad, they need to be held accountable. And then, yeah, he moved on to the rest of it. So USA, let's give them the training they USA. need. USA. Yeah, I mean, it was, there wasn't anything there that would really hold my attention. Like, he didn't have those one or two things that you'd get from, like, say, Clinton or Obama. Like, that. those things were like, okay, I'm going to tackle this one thing in the next year. Yeah. Did you catch his, uh, did you catch him dangling Roe v. Wade at the end? I did, yeah. Yeah, where he says, like, well, if the Republicans put forth a ban, I'll veto it. And then didn't say shit about, you know, fucking codifying it. Absolutely nothing towards protecting a woman's choice over body autonomy. No interest whatsoever. He would simply veto something that takes it away at a federal level. And as long as it's only the states oppressing women, that's fine. Well, I'm not going to defend him on that, but to be fair... 
the Republicans are never going to allow a uh, well, an amendment or a law that will codify. Of right course not, but that's right the best time to fucking demand one. Like that's the thing. It's like it, it's it, it's it's a fucking zero risk, nothing but gain, right? Because anybody who is anti Roe v. Wade already hates Biden. He loses no one by getting on the side of abortion. Biden loses zero people, right? Anybody who's super anti Roe v. Wade is already that Biden's the Antichrist, and you know him and Obama came from Kenya together to send kids to the gay labor camps and whatever the fuck shit they're on these days, like they're already on that fucking train because you already believe that women aren't people and don't have access to their own body or futures. So to why not just fucking come out swinging? Why not just be like, hey, dipshits, how about we treat women like people? Codify Roe v. Wade, you cowards. What are you afraid for? You're the party of freedom. Give women freedom. Like, just fucking call them on it because now you're only costing the opposition votes because now they're forced to take a stand against you even harder rather than the ones who have to be quiet about it. Like he could have instantly made this point that would have done honestly nothing practical, but it at least puts power into the side of opposing the gender fascism against women in this country. And he won't, he, he couldn't even do that, even though it was a, a fucking, it would have been a riskless move. He couldn't do that because uh, this again ties back to he wants to be thought of as the guy that can work across the aisle. He wants to be the one that says on that well, wants to be like let's find common ground. So by saying that he will veto something and not say uh, putting them on the record as being against something, it still has that slight bit of an olive branch so that he can turn around and then say, well, look, I try and work with the Republicans where I can, and they've passed this thing, so I'm going to veto it. Oh, good. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Being a pussy in the face of total monsters always puts you on the right side of history. Like, just ask Neville Chamberlain, right? Like, that's what this feels like, is this ridiculous appeasement policy towards people who literally scream fuck you at every chance they get. Oh, totally. And it was always going to be this way. He's doing nothing that has surprised me about his administration. Absolutely nothing he's done hasn't been something that that I haven't predicted. Yeah. Now, I know you said you want to talk about the response. And yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' response was just, again, it felt like an AI wrote it. It felt like they shoved a bunch of fucking Truth Social and Fox News into a machine and said, write a rebuttal. Because she, again, this was like, this was Republican persecution fetish 101. Like, I'm surprised she didn't bitch about M&Ms. It was the weirdest thing. She talked about shit that Biden had nothing to do with. Like, she's just coming out against, like, the gay agenda. And Biden's been taken over by a woke mob that wants to turn your kids gay. It was like, where was any of this? And not only that, I mean, it's like, I can can excuse that because that's just the conservative line. That's where they're going. They've gone full into the fascist nonsense. So that's fine. I was expecting that nonsense. What I wasn't expecting was how goddamn boring she was. I mean, honestly, I could put her on as white noise and fall asleep to that. It was just droning on and on. And the worst part was she they didn't uh, offer any sort of solutions, which is typically what the opposition response is supposed to be. It's similar to like the shadow government in uh, the UK, where they put forth their own sets of proposals to say, this is what we would do if we were in charge. It wasn't any of that. It was just saying, we are against this. We are against this. We are against this. And also look at all these cool things that I've done as governor. It was as much... No, it was fake bullshit stories. She literally like went into this like ten minute story about this one time me and Trump hopped on a plane, and after I was done kissing his ass, we flew to Iraq and met a bunch of heroes. And then I came in and I said, "My," and the guy's like, "Your job is so hard, Sarah Huckabee Sanders." And I was like, "No, you're the heroes." And he was like, "No, you." And then everyone clapped. 
Oh, yeah. She was touting up her own credentials so that she can be poised to be vice president in the next election cycle. That's really all this was. It was fucking weird. Yeah, it was boring. And the one interesting thing that she pointed out was the education reform package that she then introduced the next day. Oh, yeah, where she says that the college critical race theory won't be taught in elementary schools? Well done. Well done. Uh, No, not that. That was part of it. But uh, she actually wanted to tackle the education problem in her state. And to be fair... Arkansas at the moment ranks 44 in the country in overall educational standards, and part of that is because of low pay. Also because it's Arkansas. Oh, sure. And part of that is uh, she does address that by immediately bumping the base pay from 36000 a year to 50000 a year. And that's the one good thing about it, but then everything else is just the usual conservative line of let's give choice back to our parents. Let's give them school vouchers. Let's hold to... Uh, Schools accountable when they don't teach things to indoctrinate our kids. It, like you have the one good thing that's buried in a sea of just Nazi bullshit. A- absolutely. Oh, and, and don't forget, like you know, keeping generational wealth and advantages. Oh, totally. Oh, and I also really enjoyed when she touted that uh, she signed an executive order to ban the use of the word Latinx in um, the state because it's divisive and derogatory and terrible and racist. Yeah, racist too. Totally. Yeah, this is, I mean, it, it really was that 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 weird meme of the kid holding his own face down by a boot. Like, that's exactly what I was seeing in this one. It was, again, I'm just, I'm surprised she didn't start crying about how unfuckable the new M&Ms were. Well, most of the new M&Ms are women. She can't say that. Ah, fair enough. Biological M&M women, you mean. That's it. You saw it here first, everybody. Drew's been taken over by the woke mob. God, I'm so tired of hearing white people say woke. It's fucking insane. Yeah, every time I go on Reddit, like even when I'm on more left-friendly sites, I'm tired of seeing it more and more and more. I just, I, it, it honestly has just started to lose meaning. Which I understand that was the right's intention. So first they wanted to lose meaning, and then they wanted to weaponize it as something evil. Yeah, which they've done, and, and again now we have. White women like Sarah Huckabee Sanders coming on and fucking preaching about the woke mob taking over Joe Biden. And, and it's just it, it's, it's, it's insane that this guy gets up there and he's like, hey, racism's not real. We should give money to cops. I don't really care about women's rights. Whatever you guys want to do, it's fine. Hey, I'm going to shake hands with Republicans. And the response is like, look at this fucking commie. <laughs> he's the most Republican friendly president we've had in decades. Which again just goes to it goes to their playbook, which isn't about anything having to do with reality. It is they have to now fabricate their own victimhood. Oh yeah, absolutely. God, I'm trying to think about there was something I was reading just earlier today. Oh, oh, I think it was uh, a bunch of political cartoons of uh, that Ben Garrison did of uh, Trump and other various people tilting at windmills. You know, the Don Quixote reference of a crazy person tilting at something that isn't real. And I was looking at each one of them and just reading the comments of the utter disbelief at the lack of understanding as to what that actually symbolizes. Like oh, that he was like, he, he was putting tilting at windmills as a positive? Yeah, it was a heroic thing. Uh, there was one of them where Trump was uh, tilting at truth uh, and the windmill was like Google and Twitter and Facebook and all that normal bullshit. The you know, leftist slant that the right has convinced themselves that uh, all of social media has. Well, yeah, because again, they're all can like, it's just, they're, they're, there's waiting there. The time isn't right yet, but soon the sentence will be finished. It's like, yeah, the woke mob is taking over the media. 
controlled by the Jews. I mean, that really is where that stems from. And and if you're not familiar with where uh, these tar- terms come from, the, the modern GOP didn't invent this. This idea of when you hear global elite and globalist, these are dog whistles towards anti-Semitism, guys. So when you hear this, it's not just some Republican asshat making things up and putting on a tinfoil hat. They're actually quoting fucking Hitler and Nazis. That's where this comes from. Uh, it's not a new playbook. Again, this happened in the U.S. Henry Ford did this. You know, he wrote the the Protocols of Zion, which is a huge anti-Semitic leaflet. Which, if you haven't heard about it, you should read it. It's where a lot of anti-Semitic tropes come from, and that's all this is. We we it boggles me. There's as much credibility for them as there is. It doesn't boggle me because most people are at best apathetic, and the people that uh, act like they're engaged, about half of them are idiots. I suppose. And it's just the idiots are the ones that are the most vocal anymore, and social media has given them their megaphone. Well, yeah, I mean, we saw Marjorie Taylor Greene do that, where she stood up like the lady in the cat meme and, you know, screamed that Trump was a liar. I mean, even though the Republicans have come out for, for, they've been doing this since the 90s, talking about ending entitlements and getting, you know, aging out Social Security and that kind of thing. Like, they've been vocal about it. Hell, fucking Sarah Huckabee Sanders' father, Mike Huckabee, used to campaign on that shit. Like, it's insane about getting rid of social welfare programs. But it's not about whether or not Biden was lying. It's not about whether or not she's telling the truth. It's the fact that she can jump up there in her weird little fucking Corilla DeVille jacket and... Start pointing and screaming, you're a liar, because it doesn't matter what he does or says, people like her and Matt Gates and Laura Bo and Bobert will all get cred for it. Like if you can it's become a circus. If you can just jump up and scream at Joe Biden, you get street cred with your voters. That's oh, all sure. it is. Yeah, and uh, Rick Scott did something similar when uh, he talked about that and he challenged uh, Biden to a debate to come and um, challenge and dare him to um, uh, come and go on the record and when it comes to entitlement reforms. And really all Biden would have to do is go down there and ask for his, for his first question and just say, if you can guarantee right now that you will never own Sunset Social Security or Medicare, I'll concede this own debate right this second. Yeah. And then watch Rick's, Rick Scott try and weasel his way out of that. But he won't but he, do it. Yeah. I would love him to, but again, that would require Biden to actually take a stand, and he won't. You're right, he wants to be known as this Neville Chamberlain peacemaker for some fucking reason. Because he doesn't want to be president, he just wants to retire, and they wheeled him out just so they could fuck with Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. It's going to be real interesting next year to see whether or not he actually, if he decides to run again or not. I don't think he will, because he's going to go up against a DeSantis. And DeSantis is, if it's DeSantis, and if everything is as it is now... That dude's got a chance to seriously fucking win. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, DeSantis certainly is the biggest threat. The only other possibility is if the field is too big, Trump will be able to ache out pluralities in a few races and get some headwind like he did last time. That's That's the main thing. But if it's just a couple of people and DeSantis knocks them out early, then it'll be Trump and DeSantis. DeSantis will win that. But I think Trump would actually have to run third party at that point because I don't think his ego will allow him to not. That would be the best thing ever. It would be certainly interesting. The only real problem is if no one candidate can get a majority, then it goes to the House where everybody gets one vote. Yeah. I guess we'll find out, won't we? Yeah. That's still quite a ways off. Like, DeSantis hasn't even officially declared yet. He won't until probably September or October. No, if he's, yeah, if he's smart, he'll wait on it so he can make it a big announcement and get a shit ton of funding. And not only that, it's so that uh, earlier people like Nikki Haley is supposed to announce in the next couple of weeks or so, 
it puts her in the crosshairs for the next couple of months. So he also Trump has something to focus on. Yeah, which is smart. It's it's smart of him to do. Let Trump rage against Nikki Haley. Let that all work out. And then when when he tries to go after DeSantis, it's old fucking news. Yeah, I would say Ron DeSantis is probably the most uh, likely candidate at this point. But again, that's still uh, several months out. Yep, absolutely. But anyway, that is that is the alt left's take on the State of the Union. Hit us up. Send us some messages. Send us emails. Do you agree with me? Do you hate me? Do you uh, think Drew is right? Do you think Chinese spy satellites or spy the weather balloons are actual UFOs sent by the woke mob to come take away your children and teach them critical race theory? Email us at theallfpod at gmail.com and let us know what you think. You can find us still on Twitter. We haven't quite left yet, but go to Twitter because not only is our link tree there, but our Discord link is there. And we actually have a active Discord running now. So if you haven't joined it yet, join our Discord uh, because uh, Kay is an old man. He only uh, uses a flip phone to call for pizza delivery with buttons. But Drew and I are actually pretty active on it. If you want to interact with us, you totally can. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good day or whatever you're listening. Absolutely. Happy Monday to y'all. We will be back here next week. Uh, If Kay's out of the Chinese prison camp, then uh, he'll be here joining us as well. And until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember that the revolution is you.